0: Hi, I'm Mike. I guess you'd know me as the guitar player, and sometimes I speak on Sunday mornings. I guess you could say I had an atypical upbringing um, in almost every respect. I, uh, in, in every major category, um, would be considered a statistical outlier. Growing up, I um, lived in a single parent household, um, and it was pretty bad, I would say. Uh, My parents were addicted to drugs, and so you can imagine all the things that go along with that. Uh, You know, surrounded by a tremendous amount of volatility, um, violence, uh, uncertainty, and so. difficult upbringing to say the least. I lived in, I think at one point I counted two dozen places before I was in in high school. Um, That ranged from, you know, renting an apartment to um, being homeless on the streets, um, all the way to uh, actually running from the law at one point um, in time. Honestly, my earliest experiences of church weren't all that great. Uh, I can remember going to a church at Berean Baptist. We were bused there from our neighborhood. I don't know exactly what the ministry was called. Uh, I guess it was a ghetto kids ministry because um, that's the only kids they brought there. So it wasn't that great. Imagine taking a a kid from that type of environment and putting him into a middle class, uh, suburban Baptist church. just wasn't a great experience overall. I really didn't have uh, a positive church experience until I was 13 or 14, and that's when I first uh, uh, moved in with my aunt and uncle and attended their church. Um, truthfully, it was the people. Um, you know, it's coming out of a situation I was living with my mom, I moved in with my aunt and uncle, and um, you know, really wasn't in a good place. And so when I started attending church, I really wasn't in a spot where I had any interest in listening to um, what any preacher had to say from a pulpit. And it wasn't until um, I started to interact with the people that were in the church that um, my attitude towards God and my attitude towards church really started to change. Um, you know, here I was, this kid who was angry and, um, you know, full of hurt and, uh, you know, just really lost and it, it uh, was the people in the church uh, that really helped move me in the right direction. Uh, I was a kid who grew up in a volatile household with a very little structure and very little adult influence and all of a sudden I have uh, a number of parents really that sort of stepped in and, and helped me along the way um, as, I was, as I was trying to, to figure out you know, where I fit in this world. So, my aunt and uncle obviously um, were key in that. Uh, they took me in um, after uh, my mom moved back to Virginia, and I lived with them um, the rest of high school, so they were, played a big part. Um, and then throughout my journey as a teenager, um, families like the Millers and the Fortenberries and the Harrels and the Scotts, um, later on the Axtells, and then my wife's family, they all have um, really embraced me and invested time, energy, and effort into... Um, helping me grow as a person and help, helping me um, through my walk of faith. So I would say my life now, um, there are some aspects of it that are, are still a struggle just like with anybody else. Um, I would say I um, will always be in to some degree um, recovering from my past. But uh, the differences are, are major, right? Uh, there's hope and there's purpose in what I do. Um, transform from a an angry kid um, from one environment to a, a, a place where I'm a father and a husband and I'm raising two little boys that uh, I know that I'll be able to help shape and mold in the way that um, they won't have to deal with those types of things and that they'll know God from the beginning honestly I, I, I used to be angry and to wonder about you know why did I grow up in this way uh, one of the most difficult things you know coming to church um, was that you know largely the kids there you know were from a totally different space than than I came from and so um, it was difficult at first because it was it was hard for us to connect and hard for us to relate um, because we really came from different worlds as I think back now uh, you know, as I've progressed on and um, grown in, in, in Christ and sort of reconciled, you know, my past, um, I don't view it the same way anymore. Um, honestly, it's it's viewed as my journey and it's unique and that um, hopefully, um, if God sees fit, that he'll put people in my life um, that need that specific journey um, and someone that has gone through that in order to, to reach them. So that's the, that's the hope. Uh, I would say just remember that everybody's story is different. If you were fortunate enough to grow up in a stable environment or grow up in the church, then um, that's one thing, but not everybody has the same backstory. And so remembering that everyone is different and that um, not everyone needs to be preached to or um, given a Bible. Sometimes I believe that um, they just need you to be who you are, um, who God created you to be and that um, he equipped you to... Um, be in that time and that moment to to reach that individual. Just uh, remember that everyone, um, no matter how far they are away from from God, um, they're no farther than you were um, before you, you met Him, before you had a relationship with Him.
1: Thank you. Please be seated. Thanks, Jill. Yes, that's fine. Okay, so... We're going to be using this, and I know that uh, this is much more like a seminar than a sermon, and I get that, but here's what I figured out. Jesus taught 12 people how to do this and change the world. So I figured if God can use me to convince six of you to do what we're talking about today, we can at least change Murray Hill. Okay? Wow, wake up. Wake up. All right, so um, Mike's story was awesome, and, and um, a couple of things I want us to see about that is, is, first of all, notice how many people's names he mentioned, and notice that it wasn't just one person that showed up at his doorstep and, and told him he needed to, to get right with God. It, it was people investing for years in his life, and, and I think that's more normal now than it's ever been. That, that uh, what used to take 25 minutes in a conversation now can take years. And, and so understanding that's why it's so important that we build relationships with people who are not followers of Jesus. Um, I'm going to draw a picture for you here in a second with my apologies to Darlene uh, when I draw. Um, that's not one of my gifts is drawing. Um, but this is a drawing that I use on campus every semester when I talk about Christianity. And, uh, and so I will show that to you. Uh, but one semester, I, I did this picture, and uh, in spite of my artistic abilities, there was a young man that came to me after class, and he said, can I come by your office and talk to you? Well, of course. Uh, and so um, I didn't know that he meant right then, so he got in his car and he followed me to the church parking lot <laughs> and followed me in which was great. So we sat down and he told me his story. He had just gotten back from um, Afghanistan and he was suffering from PTSD and uh, he was, uh, had been close to suicide. And I mean, just, this is an incredible story. And, and he said, I tried different religions and, um, and, and really I, was, I had given up hope. And I took your class just so I could give it one more shot. And he said, what you said today is what I want to know. So I explained the gospel to him, uh, and uh, it was there in that moment that he, he prayed to receive Christ. But, but I tell you that because it was 47 different events that came to that moment, right? And, and I think I want you to hear me clearly. When we talk to people about faith, we're not talking to them in a vacuum. But God's been working them with them on their journey, right? And, and sometimes all we do is plant seeds, but sometimes, man, we get to be at that moment when they cross the line from non-believer to believer. And, and I got to tell you, if you've never experienced that, it, it is more powerful and more exciting than the moment that you choose to follow Christ. Okay? I'm, just, I'm just telling you, if you haven't experienced that, you are missing out on one of the greatest blessings that, that God gives us. So up to this point, we've been talking about how to connect to people. We started with God showing us the one person we need to pray for. Uh, and so we've been praying that this whole time, I hope, for that person and for ourselves. We talked about how we need to be a friend and how we need to show God's love to people and, uh, and to this person and, and to, to go out of our way to make His love apparent, that we would bump into them and spill His love on them. Last time we talked about asking spiritual questions that bring answers that help us to know where a person stands, and then today we're going to move in to talk about, okay, we find out that this person, uh, we, we have this conversation, the spiritual conversation, and we find out whether they ask us or we ask them if they want to hear what we believe, they want to know about Jesus, they want to understand right? And so what I'm going to share with you is very simple. It's very practical. Uh, you don't have to condemn anybody to hell or anything, all right? That's God's job, by the way. Um, and so here's the drawing, and again, apologies, darling, uh, that, that I do every semester. And this, by the way, is something you can draw on a napkin at a restaurant, preferably a paper napkin. Um, but it's a, it's a um, Okay, and so this actually comes from, from what is called the Four Spiritual Laws. Okay, Um, and so this is a valley, by the way, so just keep that in mind. All right, this is where it gets bad. That's a person. Okay, I'll even give them eyes. Okay, all right. So there you go. That's very low arms, but that's all right. Okay, so I'm not going to try to draw God. I'm just going to write his name here. Okay, okay, sorry. That's a what, God? Don't go, oh, no, 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 I, I'm joking. All right, so the idea is, is, is there's, there's basic truths outlined in this reality, all right? The first is is that God loves you and has a plan for your life, okay? And, and every person needs to know that, that, that God created you and made you for a purpose and gave you a reason for living, and, and He is that reason, and He loved you. He loves you that much. Now, the second thing is that sin separates us from God. So, I mean, if you're mean, you can draw red flames here and talk about hell. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Um, so, but you're separated from God. And this, this valley is so big and so wide. There's The third thing is there's absolutely nothing as an individual that you can do to get to God. That's hard for people to hear, all right? Because we, we live in our society where I can work hard enough to get whatever I want And I can push myself, and from internally I can find all that I need to to get where I want to go. But the bottom line is, is that no matter how hard we try, we can't get to God because of sin. All right? Now, just a theological side note here. Whether you believe in original sin or you're original enough to have your own sin, it doesn't matter. Sin separates you from God. You theologians will get that joke. All right, so... um, the idea is, is that God saw us in this state that we were separated from Him and couldn't get to Him. So, and this is where the artistry gets really bad. So, He sent Jesus to die for us. Oh, Lord, please make this close. Oh, that's awful. This is supposed to be a cross. All right, let me do that a little bit better. (laughs) Just a little bit. Maybe on the cross he had one arm bigger than the other. I don't know. But, okay. So, God, in his love for us, sent Jesus to die on the cross to bridge the gap for us, to do for us what we could never do. All right? And so God, through Jesus, paid the price and, and made it possible to get to God well, what, what am I supposed to do? Scripture teaches that you, you believe and repent. Repentance is just very simply, instead of pursuing myself and my own interests, I pursue the interests of God now. He's what matters the most. Man, that's the gospel. All right, now, in the old days, we, we practiced the Roman road, and if you're real into that, you can do that. There's, uh, Rome, it's all from Romans 323. uh, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Romans 5.8, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then Romans 10, uh, 10, 9, 10, and 13, you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Okay, now here, so if that's the direction you want to go, that's fine, but let me give you this warning. When you bring Scripture into it, you're going to be asked another question. That's a distractor. Why would I believe the Bible to be true? Okay? So, if, you're inter- if you want to do it that way, you can. Um, but again, so in the, in the bulletin insert I have for you today, I have the basics of what we're trying to communicate on the napkin. Right? And so... If you want to take a minute to write this down, I'm sure you can draw it much better than I ever could. Right? But, but it's real simple. We're stuck without God. God intervened. And now we can be right with God. Okay? So this is very uncharacteristic for a Sunday morning. Do you have any questions about that? It's okay to ask. I promise. Yes. Mm-hmm. Normally, people who ask that question are trying to distract from the message. Not always, but normally. And so, um, I would be very careful to say, "Jesus taught this," or "Paul, Paul taught this," and all of those, are, of course, are Paul. Um, so, I, you know, you, without going into a great detail about history and Josephus and all this stuff, it's it's really a distraction. There was another hand. Yes. So what, if they that only what if they consider only some can cross? If they consider that, they're further along in this understanding than most of us in the room. Does that... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a... Right. Some are, yeah. We're, we're, not, we're not going to accept that to be reality. Okay. Anybody else? This is important. And again, if I can convince six of you to do it, if I can convince six of you that this is going to be a part of your lifestyle from now on, it'll change the west side of Jacksonville. Yes. Yes, that's very true. And that is that is our culture is I want to take parts of different religions and put it together in one god. My response always to that is if God is almighty god and he is all knowing, all powerful and all present, then he gets to decide who he is. I don't. Yes, I can. Romans 3:23. Romans 6:23. Romans 5:8. Romans 10:9 and 10 and 13. 9, 10 and 13. Well, last time we talked about asking spiritual questions, and we know from their answer. So if, if we ask a spiritual question, and they're like, who do you think you are by their facial expression? It's probably time to back off and just be, keep being a friend for a while. So normally, um, after the spiritual questions, the question you get back is, well, I want to hear about what you believe. You know? And sometimes we have to say, "But well, would you... Like to hear what I believe, and they may say no. Yes, sir. Welcome back, by the way. Haven't seen you a while. Well, I think that's an internal thing, first of all. Uh, Sometimes it's it's and, and the Spirit makes it very clear that this is a discussion you need to have right now. All right, and I know those are the moments that your heart just starts beating. It's like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And but once you get started. The Spirit takes over, and it's, re- it's really a powerful thing. Yeah, and sometimes, uh, I mean, I've had students bring their textbook and open the Christianity section, throw it on the table and say, why do you believe this? I think that might be a divine appointment. Call me crazy, but God's doing something here, right? Yes. Yeah, and so that's a great question. Why is, why, if God is so good, why is there so much evil? And that's a question that happens uh, a lot. And again, to me, that's a distractor. It's like, I really don't want to hear about this grace stuff. I want to talk about something else. For some, it's a hurdle. Uh, con- I will concede that. And that's really a different discussion. But, but here's the thing that we have to remember. We don't save anybody. Okay? And so again, like with Mike's story and with the story I told you when I started, it's like God had been working up to this moment and this in this set time. And it was that divine appointment and that moment that, okay, I'm in. And you know, and, and it's it's very interesting. Um, I've discovered that you can't mess it up when God's doing it. You know? Uh, and I, I know I've told you this story before, but um, we used to do CWT at a different church. It's where we would we would go through all this training, and then we would go and knock on people's doors we didn't know, and we would tell them about Christ. And And so the person would learn the first few times from me, and then we would go, and they would do it, and I would be there for support. And the first time I did this, with one guy, I mean, he did everything wrong. He didn't put the Scripture right, he didn't, you know... Uh, and he got to the end and he asked the lady, would you be interested in this? And she said, yes. And I was like, really? <laughs> you know. So but because it, it is God's work, not ours, that changes lives. Oh. Sometimes the best possible answer you can give is, I don't know. But I know this is true and I know that Jesus changed me. They can't argue with your experience. Right? OK. So I'll be glad to take other questions later, but so now you, you come to this, and I, I've seen it both ways. Some people say, "You know what? I want that. What do I do? I mean, just aggressively, what's next? Let's go. I'm in. I mean, I've had people say, "I'm in. It's, it's really really cool when that happens. Um, so sometimes we have to say, are you interested? You know, is this something you're interested in? And then if, if, if yes, or you get there by them saying they want to be a part, what I've got there for you on the insert is what we call the sinner's prayer. Theological warning here. Uh, the, the sinner's prayer is not in the scripture. Paul didn't tell the Athenians, repeat after me and say this prayer. I mean, in your heart, okay? That's, that's not what happened, all right? So the sinner's prayer is something that we've created as humans, I think, to mark a point in time for that individual and for us. And I, there's a real danger um, in, in the sinner's prayer in that if we can convince somebody to say these words, they're in, and we don't have to worry about that anymore. That's not what I'm saying, Okay? And so this is just one model of the sinner's prayer, uh, just, just one illustration. Uh, the idea is, is that people need to acknowledge before God that they need him and that they want to follow him and that they need to be forgiven. You know, it's, re- it's real simple. Um, and, and so God didn't make this system so it would be hard. And I think sometimes we make it harder than he ever intended it to be. Uh, C.S. Lewis, his story is incredible. I don't know if you're familiar with his biography. He said he got into the sidecar of his brother's motorcycle and they started on a journey. And by the time they got there, he was a believer. He said, I can't tell you what happened. I can't explain it, but I was in. And so I think the sinner's prayer is just a moment and marker in time where people can look back and say, I did that. Because once somebody chooses to follow Jesus, there are going to become moments of doubt. Right? And that, that prayer is a marker where they can go back and say, you know what, I did that. And the promise of Scripture is that the Spirit lives within me now because of Him. Right? And so, anyway, so here's what I do. I don't have them repeat after me a prayer. You can do that. Uh, That's why I gave you that prayer. Um, But I just tell them the basics. Here's what you need to pray. Right? You you need to pray. I I know I need you. I have sin in my life. I need to be forgiven. Thank you for sending Jesus. And I want to follow you with my life. Please help me do that. However they choose to say that, I'm going to tell you the most beautiful prayers I've ever heard in my life are prayers that new believers make when they choose to follow Christ. And it's, Goosebumps does not begin to describe what the Spirit does in those moments. Okay? So, questions about any of that? So here's what I I want you to hear me say. If I can draw this, anybody can draw this. If I can talk about Jesus like this, anybody can. So I'm not, you know, and, and I think sometimes we think, oh, well, you have all this training, blah, 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 blah. The truth is, after the day of Pentecost, Stephen was stoned, And the new Christians, 3,420 of them, scattered throughout the world. They didn't have great seminary training. All they had was the story of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Jesus did this for you. And it changed the world. Right? And, and so the idea is then when someone chooses to follow Christ and they are in this journey, they're starting on a whole new journey, they need to be connected with people who will help them on that journey. That's why the bride of Christ exists. Okay? So again, here's what I'm going to say. I know this is not like a sermon at all, and I get that, and I'm, um, but, but please understand this is big stuff. This is the world-changing stuff. This is the stuff, again, if, if five or six people would say, you know what, I can do that. I can do that. It begins to change whole communities. And so understand, again, that sometimes we're just planting seeds. But sometimes God blesses us with the privilege of being there When somebody says, yes, yes, I'm in. And hear me, hear me, hear me. There's nothing like it. Your own salvation experience doesn't even come close to participate in somebody else's. So today I want to challenge you with this. Hopefully you've been praying for the same person for a month now. And hopefully uh, you've begun to have conversations with them, and hopefully the door's being opened to have this conversation. Go ahead. Take the plunge. You're not going to stop being their friend if they say no. Right? You, you have a relationship with them. It's not like you're all of a sudden going to turn judgmental, or you shouldn't turn judgmental. Eh? But you're offering the greatest news in the history of the world. That we can be God's kids. We can be a part of his family for eternity. So I hope, and, and I pray, and I've been praying all week, that God would raise up five or six people I said, you know what, I'm in. I'm going to do this. And if it's new to you, there are going to be moments it's scary. I'll just, I'll tell you up front. But once you get past the first words, it goes, it's unbelievable what happens. So God's just waiting for us to say yes. So as we wrap this up, if you have questions about any of this, I'd love to take time to talk to you about it. Um, Again, most important things we can ever do share this great news about Jesus. And, uh, and it's not hard. It's not hard We just say yes, all right? So we're going to pray. Uh, we're going to pray for the people you've been praying for. We're going to pray for all of us that we would have the courage to jump in, and we're going to ask God to do something really cool, all right? Let's pray.